Hello and welcome to the show that was watching highlights of Swindon Town at 5am this morning and is now seriously reassessing its life choices. On today's show, what next for Barnsley now that Paul Heckingbottom's vanished up the M1 to Leeds? We take a look at Wigan Athletic who are bossing League One right up until this weekend when they paid a visit to Southend. And with Sam Parkin making a welcome return to the studio, we thought it was only polite to take a look at Swindon Town. Can they make an immediate return to the third flight? We'll have all the usual stuff, the nipple-hardening news music, the anthemic roundup music and the fan league. It's all here on the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Morning, gentlemen. How you doing, Ian? I'm all right. I'm just, I've woken up way too early and, and I'm going to be in bits halfway through this. But together, with your strength, I'll get through this. How are you, Matt? I'm good, thanks, yeah. You look pretty fresh-faced, actually, considering you're up at 5am. Must be all the caffeine. It will wear off. It will wear off. You were in Norway this weekend, weren't you? I was, yeah. I was uh, watching Football League from afar in Oslo. Didn't go well for Blackburn? No, uh, well, it sort of did in second half, because obviously we came back from 2-0 down, but... uh, Duckins nays on with two brilliant goals for Alden and uh, a deserved draw, I think. All right, very, very noble, very gracious. Um, we're going to have to crack on because we've got so much to fit into the show. Wanted to start with performance of the week that you, dear listener, have been voting on um, through Twitter. Uh, Joe Crilly from William Hill. Hello to you, sir. Hello there. Who was your nomination for performance of the week? Northampton winning away against AFC Wimbledon, 3-1. Very good victory, but only 8% of our uh, our listeners agreed with you on that one. Um, Matt? I went for Plymouth's victory at Shrewsbury, obviously coming off the back of beating Blackburn the week before as well. A fine win, but only 14% of uh, of our listeners went with you on that one. Uh, Producer Tayo? They're calling it the miracle of Bristol Ball. They're not. <laughs> uh, I went for Bristol's capitulation, Bristol City's capitulation to Sunderland, who came back from three goals down to snatch a draw. However, that only got 30% because a whopping 48% agreed with me that it was Southend beating Wigan. Happy days. Happy days. Let's do the news in brief. Bradford have appointed former Sunderland boss Simon Grayson as their new manager. Of course, they'd probably prefer us not to mention Sunderland, not least because he's enjoyed four promotions as a manager in far happier spells with Blackpool, Leeds, Huddersfield and Preston. His first match is against Charlton tonight. Grimsby have swung the axe. They've sacked Russell Slade after a 3-0 defeat by Crawley. The Grimsby board have made a very big deal about getting behind their manager in January. They haven't won a game since December. Sean Derry has left Cambridge United, and of course it's by mutual consent. Youth director Graham Daniels said, We sat down in the last few days and said, What's best for you going ahead? What's best for us? What's best for both parties is that this is a stage to make a parting of the ways, together and amicably. For his sake. That's quite ominous. Newport midfielder Sean Rigg has packed in football to focus on a new career as a tattoo artist. He was so determined to do it, he quit two days before his club's big day out of Wembley against Spurs. I feel like I've had a decent career, he said. Money doesn't rule the world. The tattoo industry is booming at the moment, and people make a hell of a lot of money, especially the ones who are knocking out really good work and have a good reputation. Does sound like money might be a factor there. Staying in Wales, Forest Green manager Mark Cooper was furious with the late postponement of his side's match with Newport County at Rodney Parade. Uh, the game was called off at 1.15 due to a waterlogged pitch. The pitch was used the night before for a rugby match. 
It's not Newport County's fault, he said, but how you allow rugby teams to play on the same pitch as a football league team's beyond me. And they don't even play alternative weeks. They had a game on Friday, and they wonder why there's a puddle on the pitch. It's horrendous. What do you expect? Sort it out. They're not sorting it out, though. Next weekend's City Centre venue is due to host Newport versus Clenefley on Friday night, the football with Notts County on the Saturday, and Dragons versus Treviso in the Pro 14 on Sunday. So good luck to the ground staff. And very sad news to end, Hull City's midfielder Ryan Mason, who suffered that horrendous head injury against Chelsea over a year ago, has retired on the advice of doctors. So, yeah, terrible news for Ryan Mason because he was some player, wasn't he, Sam? Yeah, absolutely, and and one of those players who had gone out, done some loan moves, did really well at Swindon actually, and found himself at Hull and looked like he was really rebuilding his career and going to get back to the top level. So I've, you know, almost got enormous respect for players that don't quite make it at the top level, but have got that hunger to go out and and achieve slightly lower down and try and get back to those levels. So horrendous. Um, it was horrendous at the time, and um, I'm sure Gary Cahill. You know, playing against him a little bit and the type of chap that he is, I'm sure that that's impacted him. But of course, today and uh, the last few days, all our thoughts have got to be with Ryan Mason, and, and hopefully he can stay within the game in some capacity. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all echo that. Um, Simon Grayson is back, Matt at Bradford. Do you think that's a good move <laughs> for Grayson or for Bradford? <laughs> well, I mean, it, both. He almost guarantees promotion, doesn't he? Considering he's won four uh, in the past from League One, three via the playoffs. And uh, so I think for Bradford, it's, it's perfect timing, really. I mean, six consecutive defeats. They just about got a draw with Bury at the weekend as well. Um, and so, yeah, to replace Stuart McCall at this stage with Bradford still miraculously in the playoffs after that terrible run, I, th- I think it's a brilliant move for them. Uh, Sam, I think we're seeing now that it probably wasn't Grayson's fault what happened at Sunderland this season, uh, as if anyone ever thought it was. Yeah. Um, can he get his career back on track after that little hiccup? I don't see why not. Yeah, it's it's looking very difficult for Sunderland now, even with that brilliant reverse uh, at the weekend, the way they came back there. But yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed playing against his lead side uh, in League One. Uh, he had a great team at Preston and uh, his record is second to none at that level. So I think there's a, a few clubs without a manager at the moment that would have been hoping that Simon Grayson would have walked through their door. So um I think it's divided opinion a little bit in terms of Stuart McCall leaving, given you know what a legacy he's got at the football club. But in terms of someone coming in at this stage to try and give him that push to remain in the playoffs, uh, I think there's no one better. Russell Slade had quite a good record in the Football League, um, but it's all gone horribly wrong. It was going really well in December. Grimsby won three games on the bounce. And they haven't won since. So it's December 6th for their last victory. Um, Grim Rob, who writes for The Fishy, which is a Grimsby, uh, a Grimsby site. He says, um, Slade's sacking has been inevitable for weeks. He's been completely out of his depth all the time he's been in charge. His signings have been terrible. His use of the loan market, awful. His tactics dated and his results abysmal. For an experienced manager, he's been categorically found out to be completely clueless and I sincerely hope that he never works in the professional game again. I cannot thank him for his time in charge because he was a terrible appointment and a total failure. Good riddance. So he seems in two minds about the <laughs> success of the rain. What, what's happened there? Because Russell Slade's a good manager, isn't he? Do you know what, Ian? I think I saw them twice in that period when they were winning games. Yeah. And I quite like the look of them. They <laughs> <laughs> A couple of young lads uh, on the wing. Uh, Dembele on one side. He was a, a product of the Nike Academy, I believe, who really impressed me. And they had a couple of front players. Jamal Matt, I think, was back in the, the side at the time. And they looked a threat going forward. But, um, yeah, I know there's been... 
a lot of noise about Russell Slade, and it's not just happened overnight. It's been the last couple of months where I've been scratching my head somewhat, considering I saw them when they were in a rich vein of form. So um, I worked with Russell Slade a long time ago when he yeah. was a, a number two to Kevin Wilson at, at Northampton Town, and he was very much the go-between between the players and the management. He was good fun on the training ground, um, little drills, getting a smile on all the chaps' faces. So... I've been surprised somewhat to see his elevation to become a really well-sought-after manager in the Football League, but pleased at the same time because lovely fella. Uh, but Grimsby seem to have ambitions um, above where they are currently because they're not near the relegation zone. You know, there's a few points um, uh, away from that, but um, I think it's a, it's a decent-sized club up there and um, obviously the, the fans wanted a change and they've, they've got it. Well, another change, Matt, at Cambridge where Sean Derry and that very strange statement um, breaks off his relationship with them. Well, what's all that about? It was a great statement, that wasn't it? Um, I've actually spoken to a couple of Cambridge fans who uh, have been unhappy with the performances for a while now, even whenever at one stage it looked like they might be able to mount a, a playoff challenge. But it's been a similar story to uh, to most of last season, I think, where a lack of goals, which was also Russell Slade's undoing at Grimsby as well. I mean, they've scored four in the last 12 games that they've been winless for. And uh, Cambridge, even fewer than them this season, with only 28, the lowest in League Two. Uh, I think, really, they never properly recovered from losing Luke Berry in the summer to, to Luton and they've like we talked about Giovanni Brown before he didn't always start on the dairy as well and I think they brought Barry Core back, Barry Core back in January Barry. yeah and uh, that was sort of his last roll of the dice really to try and get things firing up front and it, and it hasn't worked for him it hasn't Joe Crilly from William Hill um, is there a rumour of Dion Dublin taking this job Surely he's, he's got, got his hands full with Holmes under the hammer. I don't, I don't know where this has come, come from. He's certainly not in the betting. Um, so I, mean, I will give you any price. Like, who would give up such a cushy job as Holmes under the hammer? Well, exactly. I mean, you, you can go to home auctions or you can go to, well, Grimsby. Grimsby. <laughs> um, I don't think that's uh, so going to be the case. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you, again, like I did a few weeks ago, I'll give you whatever price you want. But if you're looking at the betting, the uh, current assistant manager, Joe Dunn, heads it by quite some way at 2-1. to one. Uh, Next closest in the betting is 16-1. to one, So who's, who's next closest? We have the, uh, I was going to say the terrible trio, but there's actually four of them. Brian McDermott, Lee Clark, Sean O'Driscoll and Stuart McCall. Right, that's, uh, that's the news. I think it's time for the Championship Roundup. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, begambleaware.org and when the fun stops, stop. Championship roundup then. Can I just shock you? Wolves won again. 2-1 over QPR this time, and they are now 13 points clear at the top of the championship. Who's going up with them? I don't think it's going to be Leeds. New manager Paul Heckingbottom saw just how big a job awaits him, losing his first game 2-1 at Sheffield United. But it might just be Aston Villa, who outclassed Birmingham on Sunday and moved into second place. That's seven consecutive wins, and after the week Steve Bruce has had, you can't begrudge him some sort of good news. Barnsley said they were shocked at Paul Heckingbottom's decision to join Leeds, but they dusted themselves down to win a 1-1 draw at home to Sheffield Wednesday. While Bolton and Fulham also played out a 1-1 draw, as a cracking strike from Adam LaFondra ended the Cottagers' five-game winning run. And guess what? It finished 1-1 between Brentford and Preston at Griffin Park, as Alex Neal's side remained three points off the playoffs. 
what on earth is going on at Nottingham Forest? Take that Wolves game out of the equation, they haven't scored a league goal since Christmas. They lost 2-0 at home to Hull City, and they're not so far above the drop zone that they can get the cigars out yet. Nor are Reading. Yap's damn side having a miserable season, and their 2-1 defeat to an Adama Traore-infused Middlesbrough means that they're only four points above the relegation places. Elsewhere, Millwall drew 1-0 with Cardiff and Neil Warnock nearly self-combusted with rage at the officials, though this is hardly news. In a game that's already been nicknamed Bristanbul, Sunderland fought back from 3-0 down at half-time to draw 3-3 at Bristol City. The Black Cat's social media bod might have a bit of explaining to do, after tweeting that the away fans were heading for the exits after 40 minutes and, I quote, To be perfectly honest, you can't blame them. Norwich pegged back Derby at Pride Park, with James Madison cancelling out Matej Vidra's 18th of the season from the penalty spot. And it was on as even at Ipswich as Burton battled their way to a 0-0 draw. Alright, that's the championship. Let's have a quick word on Villa. Um, Adam Canning writes, he says, What level of research did you do, Ian, to suggest that Birmingham have a good record versus Villa? Hashtag lazy. (laughs) Ouch. Hashtag stupid, more like. Uh, Unfortunately, my brain appears to have been stuck in 2001. um, And I was referring back to that Peter Enkelman period where Birmingham always won. But you're absolutely right. I was absolutely wrong probably should have learned a lesson from that whole Bristol City episode as well. So let's try and make it up to Adam. Um, Villa look amazing, don't they, Matt? They do. They look very convincing. Uh, Seven wins in a row now, which is an incredible run of form for them, which I think goes all the way back to the 90s since the last time they they matched that that level of performance. And uh, two brilliant goals as well. And Jack Grealish in uh, tremendous form at the right time for Villa. Yeah, Jack Grealish, a player who we kind of feared might have burned out too young but he's been reinvented as a sort of attacking central midfielder and he, he tore Birmingham a new one didn't he yeah he's been excellent and um I was reading the piece the other day and it was um talking about another young lad that was at the club I think it's called Ollie Stevenson and uh he's now the conditioning coach there and I think he's played a, a big part in this kind of renaissance of Jack Grealish in terms of building him up because I think he's he's, he's seems to have shot up the last few years but also bulked up yeah. so I think he can actually dictate games now I'd, I'd put him in the same bracket as kind of a Jack Wilshire in terms of that kind of guile and the way his first touch always takes him forward plays lovely little passes and you know the, the supporters there enjoy one of their own of course it's a massive club and you know he really has got the world at his feet again and uh, maybe wrongly or rightly people were on him a few years ago we've got a habit of jumping on people in this country and uh, I think he seems to have his head screwed on now and he's pivotal in that that Villa midfield so um, he could go on and have a wonderful career and be around the England squad in years to come it's all clicking isn't it John Terry's back from injury he's a multiplier on everyone around him even if he is getting a little bit slow Um, they actually have Mila Jednak guarding the defence it's usually Bjarnason isn't it but uh, there's a really nice balance to the team yeah, I saw a few uh, Villa fans were actually tweeting a surprise at seeing uh, Bjornsson drop into the bench mm. and Jednak coming back in. But but Steve Bruce is getting all these decisions right at the moment. It's amazing to think that there was even talk about him leaving earlier in the season and he was under pressure. Yeah, they've got all the momentum now. At the other end of the table, a team without any momentum at all is Barnsley, um, who we're going to have a look at now. Um, Paul Heckingbottom has gone. He, he's gone to Leeds. Uh, it's been a time of great turnover at the club. Uh, former owner Patrick Crine, much, much loved owner, uh, passed away last month. Uh, there's new Chinese investment in the club. The, uh, the famous Billy Bean, uh, who performed miracles with uh, the Oakland A's in baseball, he's now involved in the club and very involved as well. He's put his own money in. Um, so that 
bodes well. But they're really in terrible form. They're slipping away. Were there signs of life, though, Matt, against Sheffield Wednesday? Absolutely. I, I think, like you say, it's a, it's a club where things have been happening at 100 miles per hour in the last few weeks because there's been a takeover, there's been players coming and going in January, there's been a manager commit his future to the club with a new contract and then four days later depart for their Yorkshire rivals. And so for uh, the caretaker boss, uh, Paul Harsley, to come in and uh, get a point in a spirited performance against Sheffield Wednesday, I think that's a, a great start for them and... Uh, yeah, some much-needed respite, really. It was a good performance, wasn't it? I watched it yesterday, and uh, Paul Harsley, the caretaker manager, said you know, the players gave them everything. Um, they went behind to what I think was a bit of a dodgy penalty, yeah. to be honest. I didn't think there was anything in that. And then an incredible goal by McBurney, who's just come in. A slaloming run from pretty much the halfway line uh, to bring them back in. I think they, they really could have won that game. Um, so it's, it's not as bad as it looked, is it? Well, that, that performance wasn't as bad as uh, it didn't, you know, didn't reflect as badly as their, their recent run of form. But they've got one win in sixteen games now as they dropped into the bottom three at the weekend with with Hull beating Nottingham Forest, of course. And so it, it's they, they are in turmoil. Uh, they have to get this appointment right. Um, but like you say, they, they had uh, a number of decent chances. Tom Bradshaw tested uh, Joe Wildsmith in goal for Sheffield Wednesday on a couple of occasions, and. Uh, I think uh, we both discussed before before the pod today that Liam Lindsay looked very assured at the back, mm. um, yeah. confident with the ball at his feet, organising that back line, keeping them pushed up. And uh, that's quite interesting just in terms of uh, another defensive, uh, another young defender at Barnsley, following Alfie Mawson, yeah. John Stones before, that, that looks to be someone on, on his way up. There were shades of Alfie Mawson in, uh, in, in Lindsay and he's comfy on both feet. He's pushing all the way up to the halfway line to start... Um, start moves. Have you seen much of him? I have, yeah. I actually yeah, wrote a piece on him early on in the season and um, I know he came down for rel- rel- relatively pittance from Partick Thistle and um, he looks like a defender first and foremost. He's probably got some way to, to go to become that ball-playing centre-half like uh, John Stones but no, I really liked him. I saw him at Wembley actually and he didn't look out of place at all against Tottenham so um, that was probably one of his toughest tests of the season. And um, yeah, I think it's the other end of the pitch maybe for Barnsley. I was looking earlier. I always liked Bradshaw in Walsall's team and in, at League One level, but I think there was question marks certainly in my mind if he could do it consistently in terms of goal scoring in the Championship, and I think that's probably where they've struggled. Ugbo didn't work out earlier on in the season. He, I know he's now at MK Dons, but it's whether McBurney can probably get a good return in the, these remaining few games, well, fifteen odd games, uh, to secure their status. And I'd, yeah, hopefully he can do it. I mean, how can you not like a player who has his socks rolled down his calves? <laughs> <laughs> and recruitment's really interesting there because from the outside, it seems to be going pretty well. But on, on January 19th, Heckingbottom complained. Um, he told journalists, we've got to have someone better than me doing recruitment. Sometimes I wonder whether my time is better spent doing other things. He went on to say, we've got to be better. It's hard when you know that you're responsible for the team and you're only seeing little video clips of players. No, Matt, little video clips of players seems to be working out all right because they've brought some players through. It was working out and, and Heckingbottom did such a brilliant job across all fronts at Barnsley that that's why his, his loss is, is really going to be felt. Uh, I think that was probably a bit of frustration about waiting for a new contract as well and uh, also, you know, after the takeover, he probably wanted things to happen a bit quicker but obviously it does take time, especially for the funds to come through for new players and also just to decide what the objective's going to be at the club for the rest of this season and, and beyond. Um, but yeah, they've, they've recruited so well in the past and Heckingbottom has been very patient when it, when he was there. Obviously, they lost uh, Winnall, Bree and Hurrihan halfway through last season whenever they were in a playoff uh, push. So I, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how it develops under the, the new owners and uh, I think 
we talk about Moneyball and Billy Bean and uh, how uh, it's going to be the Oakwell A's this time. That's the uh, the line, isn't it? And uh, I think they will look to invest in uh, the academy um, and look to keep pr- promoting young players, which is what uh, another member of that consortium as well, uh, Paul Conway, uh, who is also, I think he's on the board with Nice and League One as uh, another uh, Shenley uh, project there. And he said, yeah, that, that that's one of the focuses that they're going to work towards. Yeah, the Billy Bean angle is really interesting um, because, I mean, there could be a temptation to go, well, hang on, he's from baseball, but he's actually very into his football, isn't he? He's, I've seen him say on a number of interviews that, you know, he's he's telling Americans the world is right that's why football is number one sport because it's the best sport yeah so it's you know he's uh is this isn't his first project in football as well he, he's clearly a very big football fan um and i spoke to bill gerard in the past and uh he's actually bill bill gerard who's a professor at leeds works in um in analytics and uh, that side of sport and uh, he worked with Billy Bean at the Oakland A's but then also they've both been involved in uh, AZ Alkmaar in recent seasons so Billy Bean obviously has a a lot of incredible experience and ideas to bring to Barnsley and uh, I I think if uh, they manage to get the most out of that then it'll be a a brilliant thing for them. Well it's going to be fascinating to to watch we'll be keeping a close eye on that. Uh, There were reports this morning that Barnsley have approached uh, Jack Ross. Now, this is a bit where we all make out like we knew who Jack Ross was about. Oh, you did, Sam. You did. Tell us about him. Yeah, well, I played for St Mirren. So, um, yeah, um, he was working for the the PFA up in Scotland um, when I was up there. So I had dealings with him. I won't uh, pretend that I know him particularly well, but we spoke about a, a couple of different things away from football. And um, he went in at Alloa, I believe, and, and since got the St Mirren job. And St Mirren is a club, very progressive in the way they play football, got a really good habit of producing young players over the last few years, and he is at the top of his game at the moment. Well, he's sweeping the championship asunder, isn't he? That's yeah. 16 points clear, I think? Uh, well, it was a really... The last two or three years has been a really poor period for St Mirren, so he's come in and completely rejuvenated that club, and it's... Um, a good football club, you know, in Glasgow, the outskirts of Glasgow, good facilities, and he's got a great reputation at the moment. It, just on that appointment, though, it, I mean, it would seem a bit of a gamble for an up-and-coming manager to go down now, yeah, a big job in the Championship, but the predicament that Barnsley are in, I suppose it's going to be up to the owners whether they want a quick fix, someone that's been there and done it, or they're looking, you know, at, at building over the next couple of seasons and the Barnsley fans cue the abuse, you know, potentially the risk of going down this year, but keeping a manager to implement a new style. And yeah. uh, obviously we're all waited, like Matt just um, articulated, to see what the recruitment process is going to be with the new owners. I wonder well, if just joining the dots there after signing Lindsay in the summer from Partick Thistle and him doing so well, I wonder if they maybe see Scotland as an untapped market at the moment and uh, perhaps looking to Jack Ross to, to be someone that comes in and obviously leads the first team but also has an eye on that recruitment as well. That's an interesting point. Uh, Joe Crilly of William Hill, um, what are the odds that Barnsley will stay up? Uh, so they're odds on to, to stay up but they are third favourites to go down so they're 8-11 to 11 to, to survive uh, but I mean it's so incredibly tight at the bottom of the championship that these prices are changing all the time. Burton uh, look cut asunder at 1-7 to seven to go down but then Sunderland at eight to fifteen, uh, Barnsley even money, Bolton Wanderers thirteen to eight, Birmingham nine to four. It, it's it's just so incredibly tight between those five, and then there's even 
the likes of um, Reading and Sheffield Wednesday at, at, at even bigger prices that are, could easily get sucked into this battle. So it's really exciting at the bottom of that table. And a bit of a wild one. If they do stay up, what are the odds on uh, Billy Bean Chinese backing run to the Premier League? You can have nine to one. I mean, it, it sounds like quite a short price, it, but a little. when there is investment, you saw with Wolves, uh, they were 12 to 1, I think, in the first season after they were uh, taken over. It didn't quite work that season, but there was still a relatively similar price this season to uh, go up. Uh, so, nice. so as soon as there's a, a hint of money being thrown at the club, those odds get slashed straight Lessons away. Lessons learned, I exactly. suspect. OK, well, that is Barnsley. When we come back after the break, we'll be playing the Fan League. Listeners, you like shaving, and so do I. In fact, I like shaving so much, I've just changed all my shaving products to Harry's. And you can too, by heading to harrys.com slash league. Harry's cucumber and aloe shave gel lathers into a luxurious foam, meaning their German-engineered blades can glide across your face, and their post-shave balm will leave you extra cool and fresher than ever. Because you listen to the Totally Football League show, you can get a special Harry's trial set delivered right to your door for just £3.95. Find out more at harrys.com slash league. Harry's, a closer, smoother shave at a fraction of the price. Fan League then. Um, FA Cup weekend and a lot of championship games. So good luck with this one. Um, You know how it works. You get a slip on the Fan League app and you predict home win, away win or a draw. Um, Full list then. Let's go through it. Brighton against Coventry in the Cup. Matt? Brighton, home win. Sam? Have to agree. Yeah, I can't see Coventry getting out of that. Their form's gone off a cliff. They've lost twice in a week to Forest Green, Nacrington, Stanley. Um, so, no, not seeing much there. West Brom, Southampton. Uh, I'll go for home win on this one as well. I'll go for a narrow away win. I will go for the fact that because neither team wants a replay, that's exactly what they'll get and say draw. Back to the championship, Birmingham, Millwall. Funny one this, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, uh, obviously Millwall getting a second away win a season at Reading uh, last week. So, oh, it's a tricky one. Birmingham on the back of that derby defeat. I'm going to go for a draw. Sam? I think I'll go for a Birmingham home win just purely because Mills away wins have been hard to come by. Yeah, I think I think the same Birmingham win. Um, right, I think there's an upset here. Burton against Nottingham Forest. I think Burton are going to win this. Burton have got eight points at home all season. Yep. I'm going to go for Nottingham Forest <laughs> to win this. Nottingham Forest have only scored in one of their last eight league games. I'm going Burton. I saw them recently and they yeah, good defensively, but obviously can't get any goals. I'll go for a I think they'll get a point there, Burton. All right. Cardiff against Middlesbrough. Um, I, I just don't know what to make of Middlesbrough. Very inconsistent at the moment. I don't know what to make of Cardiff. Very inconsistent at the moment. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for an away win, just because Adama Traore is in brilliant form at the moment. OK. Sam? I'll go for a draw. Yeah, I think, I think a draw is probably the safest option. Right, this is the big one. Fulham against Aston Villa. Fulham, five wins and two draws in the last seven. Aston Villa, seven wins in their last seven. Matt, call this one. I will go for a Fulham victory. Ooh. I'm going to this one. Oh, yeah. And Fulham haven't been that convinced in the last couple of games, so I will go for a draw. Interesting. I'm going nil-nil. They're two such exciting teams in great form, so obviously nil-nil. <laughs> uh, Preston against Wolves. and Wolves, isn't it? 
I think Preston have lost only once in like the last 15 games now. Mm. So they're in brilliant form. And they gave Wolves a game earlier in the season. Uh, although I think they had Alan Brown sent off quite early on in that one. Um, I'm going to go for a draw in this one. Sam? Yeah, Preston doing brilliantly, but I'll go for a narrow away win once again. Yeah, I think. Likewise, QPR Bolton. Joe Crilly's Bolton. Matt? I have to go for QPR. <laughs> That's just mean, <laughs> Sam. Uh, game that QPR bound to drop points in. Yeah. Draw. Yeah, I think a draw as well. Sunderland, bloody Sunderland against Brentford. I think Brentford to win. Brent- yep. Brentford are as canny as Sunderland are useless. And Sunderland just to throw away that uh, great confidence boost of yeah. coming back from 3-0 down, it's, it's what they do. I, I saw Luke Edwards saying on Twitter that you know this could be a turning point, but I've, I think we've seen turning points before. They never actually turn out to be turning points, do they? You have to agree. Yeah, it was it was brilliant to see, but yeah, I, I see Brentford going there potentially away win. Yeah, three set pieces, I reckon. Love a Brentford set piece. Uh, Huddersfield, Man United in the cup. Very briefly. Well, Huddersfield beat Man United and ended their unbeaten start to the season, didn't they, uh, in October? So I'm going to go for Huddersfield to win this one. Mm. Sam. Uh, well, big effort the other night um, to, to win in the Premier League, so I'll go for a United away win. I'll go for a draw. Norwich-Ipswich, big derby game. I think Norwich for this one, and I think Mick McCarthy might come under quite intense pressure shortly afterwards. Yeah, that was a great point at derby for Norwich the other day, and uh, they've done pretty well with uh, losing Cameron Jerome in, uh, in January, and I can see them winning this one. Sam? Oh, I think Ipswich might get something, just Ooh. purely because it's a derby. I know they've um, got some... Real woes at the moment and really poor home attendance. I think it was the, the worst home attendance since 98, I think I read, <laughs> against Burton. But yeah, maybe a draw, I think. Yeah, it's funny. They're both on 44 points, these two clubs, but both in very different moods. Uh, different moods as well at Leeds, where they're playing Bristol City. Uh, Bristol City look tired now, don't they, Matt? They do. Um Lee Johnson blaming his tactical decisions, but then also sort of blaming the players for, uh, <laughs> again, uh, like he said after the Bolton match, trying a few too many uh, individual things uh, in that second half. I, I think drawing this one. Okay, Sam? I'll go for a home win, new manager, bounce, and, and like you say, Bristol City. I wouldn't say in decline, but found it hard the last couple of games. Yep. And finally, Rochdale Spurs. On the off chance this actually goes ahead, uh, I'm saying Spurs win. I will go for Spurs win. Sam? On a new pitch, Spurs win. All right, there we go. That's the Fan League. You find it in the App Store. You just search for Fan League. Coming up, League One Roundup. League One. The leaders, Wigan Athletic, lost their first game in 16 on Saturday and I'll leave you to analyse the level of smug in my voice and draw your own conclusions as to who beat them. Could Shrewsbury take advantage? Could they hackers like? They were beaten 2-1 by Plymouth who were bottom like 10 minutes ago and are now just five points outside the playoffs. Scunthorpe are wobbling too. They've only won one in their last six and they lost at home to Rotherham. The Millers looking very good for the playoffs in fifth. After an unbeaten January, Wimbledon have lost their last three matches to slide back towards the bottom four. They lost 3-1 to Northampton on Saturday, with John Joe O'Toole claiming a hat-trick of assists for Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's side. Wolves' loanee Duckins Nason scored a fine brace to put Oldham 2-0 up against Blackburn, but Rovers fought back to snatch a 2-2 draw in the second half. And Blackpool Walsall finished 2-2-2. The Seasiders are just two points above the drop zone. 
Two late goals gave Portsmouth a much-needed win over MK Dons, but it's only deepened the woe in Milton Keynes. They're four points away from safety. Bristol Rovers feared for their safety earlier this season, but they're second in the form table now with another victory, this time 2-1 away at Oxford. And Rochdale's worries are as deep as the puddles on their pitch. Another game postponed. They're nine points adrift, albeit with 32 games in hand. Bottom side Bury grabbed a late 2-2 draw at Bradford before the Bantams unveiled Simon Grayson as the new manager. While Doncaster also left it until the 90th minute to snatch a 1-1 draw with Charlton. They deprived the Addicts of a place in the top six. And in a day of late goals in League One, Gillingham picked up a last-minute equaliser at home to Peterborough to dent Posh's playoff hopes. Right. Who here knows when Wigan Athletic were elected into the Football League? Late, late, later than most clubs. Much later. They are, in terms of Football League life, they're exactly the same age as me. They were elected in 1978. But they were formed, however, in 1932, in what has to be the most risky new business venture since Muddy Knees Media came into being last summer. Wigan County had folded, as had Wigan United, Wigan Town and Wigan Borough. But hey, fifth time's a charm, right? Wrong. It took 34 attempts and 46 years before Wigan were finally elected to the league. Larry Lloyd, the former Liverpool and Nottingham Forest defender, took them up to the third division in 1982, but it wasn't until 1995 that the good times began to roll. Local boy done good Dave Whelan bought the club and used some Spanish business connections to sign the three amigos, Isidro Diaz, Jesus Sabre and, of course, Roberto Martinez. But they couldn't get out of the third division until Paul Jewell arrived in 2001 and swept the table in 2003. 100 points he got that season. Two years later, they were in the Premier League, finishing 10th in their first season and they hung around for eight years, a period of time that obviously you know all about already, and that culminated with that very odd double of an FA Cup win and a Premier League relegation. They nearly bounced back, mixing a playoff push with the Europa League group stages, but they were relegated in 2015, bounced straight back the following year, and were relegated again in 2017. But under the shrewd, and I must say very classy management of Paul Cook, they're pushing hard for a second promotion in three years, and it was all going so well until South End appeared, Matt. Yeah, this is the bit where, do we change seats here, Ian? Because uh, you went to the game on Saturday and uh, I, I watched uh, the, the, the highlights of the game afterwards and I was surprised by how poor Wigan were and, mm. and Southend completely dominated them. Yeah, I say Paul Cook uh, being very classy because there were no excuses afterwards. He just came out and said, we're second best all over the place, terrible performance. Um, Southend deserved it, which was a very noble thing to say, not least because they had what looked like a really good penalty shout turned down towards the end. The referee, um, you were with me for Southend Scunthorpe a couple of weeks ago, where the referee felt like he had it in for Southend. This was very much the other way round. Um, but we're not talking about Southend, are we? We're no. talking about Wigan. Wigan have what seems like an almost unfair advantage in one Nick Powell, um, but he was very poor on Saturdays. Not usually, though, is he, Sam? Absolutely not. No, um, uh, yeah, I think probably everything that goes with him, you'd expect him to maybe a bit harsh, but to go missing in some fixtures just because he's very much uh, provides the guile and the uh, and the real class in that Wigan lineup. I, I saw him recently against West Ham, and he was sensational on that day. And any of the chaps I've spoken to are still currently playing in League One. They would straight away say that Will Grigg and Nick Powell are, are the best front two in that division, even though it's not a um, necessarily an out-and-out out front two because Powell's obviously playing a little bit deeper, but has uh, an array of talents in, ter- in terms of you know, physically strong, can head it, can take the ball in tight positions, can manipulate the ball, can finish. He's got all the attributes to be playing at a higher level, but 
you know, it looks like he's there at Wigan and wants to take them into the championship and, and maybe sees his future at that football club. So um, if they could stabilise in the championship next year, if they are to get up, we could be talking about a Wigan pushing for the Premier League in years to come. Wow. Uh, it, it was, um, yeah, it was a very quiet game for him. Uh, Michael Timlin and Drew Yearwood just launching into one tackle after another, never let them settle. Uh, there was a cracking Nick Powell quote from Gregor Robertson in uh, his Football League paper column. £1.50 by it's really good. Uh, he's talking about Nick Powell and what he's like in training. And uh, Robertson writes, in one training session, after going down under a challenge, Powell thought he should have been awarded a free kick. Play on, came the call from his manager. Powell's peak was such that he pulled the hood of his training jacket over his head and for the next 10 minutes lay down on the pitch in protest. And this is when he was at Crewe as a teenager as well. And outstanding. <laughs> I, I remember watching that playoff final in uh, 2012, I think it was, where he scored that cracking goal as, as Crewe got promotion up to, yes. to League One. And then he uh, signed a... Uh, in a £6 million transfer to Manchester United. And f- from everything you hear about him, he's probably he was one of the footballers to be least surprised with his promotion all the way up to the top <laughs> level of English football. Uh, that's how confident he is in, in his own ability. And, uh, and yeah, Wigan have done really well to hold on to him because he was talking about Brighton going in for him in uh, January and he decided to stay there. And there was another line in Gregor Robertson's column which I think really stood out, which uh, he said, should his talent go unfulfilled, he would have let down no one unless he felt he had let down himself. And I think that's it really, isn't it? If he's happy where he is and uh, and he's enjoying his football at, at Wigan, which he clearly is, and Paul Cook, then... Perhaps he doesn't have that, that burning desire to go back up to the Premier League. Yeah, and ordinarily, not, not against Southend, but ordinarily the partnership between him and Will Grigg is, is really good. They play off each other lovely. You used to play with Will Grigg, didn't you? Yeah, he was a, a young lad at Walsall. And I, I talk about it quite often and it's not, I hope it doesn't sound as dis- disrespectful, but um, I didn't imagine Will to probably go on and achieve what he has. And it's not because he didn't have the ability he was so laid back, Will. We used to love him in the dressing room with the senior players and I got this vision, I'll, I'll keep it clean, but we used to come in after training and we maybe been doing a bit extra and we'll be sat there and obviously we get looked after at these football clubs, even down at that level. And Will would have a towel draped over his shoulders and a towel dra- draped over his waist, uh, waist. He'd bring them from home every day. He was like a student, Will, do you know what I mean? But he was always... We'd be doing a bit of shooting practice and he'd be in his car on his way home. And I just felt, you know, maybe he lacked that real fire to, to, to make it uh, uh, in, in, in League One as it was at the time. And it, I think it was circumstantial because he was about fourth in line. We had Troy Deeney there at the time, Darren Byfield, myself probably holding him back. And uh, it wasn't until he was afforded an opportunity by Dean Smith that he went on a ridiculous run of scoring form and, and he's gone on to have the career that he's had. So I'm so pleased for him because he was one of the most likeable young players and I just felt that he was so laid back he'd probably end up going off to university or something. So <laughs> I'm delighted to see it. I've not seen him for years and um, he's actually turned in that Wigan side. He plays as a you know a real number nine and he has you know he's well under six feet, but he's kind of got that physicality to win throws and win fouls and obviously a nice relationship with Powell as well. So. Um, always gets goals. Yeah, well. he, he seems to do all the hard work that, um, that that Powell's not so keen on. We're going to back in action against Blackpool tonight. Um, Cook has said that he's just going to put that game down as a one-off, which is fair because Wigan do try to play football and you cannot play football at Southend right now. It's mm-hmm. an absolute quagmire. Um, that's them on the pitch. Off the pitch, it's getting very interesting because this from the South China Morning Post... Uh, Wigan Athletic Chairman Dave Whelan has reportedly agreed in principle to the sale of the League One side to Hong Kong-listed International Entertainment Corporation. 
who have said of this deal, the proposed acquisition, if materialised, represents a good opportunity to diversify the income stream of the company and broaden its revenue base. Uh, is it? Is it? Though, Matt, I mean, it's, you know, without being disrespectful to Wigan, there's not really any way for the fan base to grow. And you do kind of feel that as a club, maybe they've had their high watermark. Perhaps, although <laughs> one of the maybe sad things about modern football is that fans in the stadium aren't necessarily the, the greatest revenue streams anymore. And I think what they, they uh, the prospective new owners might have looked at is uh, the job David Sharp's done um, since he was appointed chairman uh, following his, uh, his grandfather's uh, step to one side. And I was looking at the financial reports actually for the year ending 31st of uh, May 2017 and they actually posted a 4.3 million net profit, which is incredible mm. for, for a League One club to do that. So it shows how well things have been run off the pitch in the last few seasons. Uh, since their relegation from the Premier League and uh, maybe the new owners look at that and think well yeah there's there's, there's, uh, already an infrastructure in place to come straight in Well the deal is said to include the 25,000 all-seater DW stadium though uh, Wigan today points out that stadium is only 85% owned by Wigan Football Limited the current owners 15% by Wigan Council Um, it's a shame though isn't it Sam because there was something quite quite endearing about the Dave Whelan era and Wigan and you know this this guy who's made his money and he puts it back in his own club and it all goes well and it's not really going to be like that now is it no absolutely not and I I saw it that that period you know I remember that that time and there's been a lot of talk this year about Wolves maybe being the most uh, uh, convincing side ever in the championship history you know and uh, I go back to that period the early noughties there was Reading but there was that Wigan side and you could reel the names off now. And there's you and DeVos at the back, Ellington and Roberts up front, Baines and McCulloch down the left-hand side. And that was a tremendous team uh, in League One initially. And then obviously they romped in the championship as well to get into the promised land of the Premier League. So uh, he had a fantastic time and obviously ultimately took them to an FA Cup victory as well. So it was a, a glorious period. Uh, they've kind of flip-flopped between League One and Championship uh, the last few seasons did brilliantly under Gary Caldwell, actually. That was a really attractive side. But I think on the pitch, this team seems to have a bit more steel. And those partnerships I just spoke about in the early noughties, there's partnerships throughout this Wigan side. So I think they're going to get promoted this year. But what comes in the next few years is going to be really interesting because I think it's a good point that they've had their period in the in the sun, if, if, if you like. And whether they can get back to those levels, we'll have to be wait and see. I know we tried to avoid cliches on the show, which is probably why we've not mentioned Dave Whelan's leg break, uh, or Wigan being uh, synonymous with pies. But I have to say, I was in Wigan the other week, and I actually did a double take as I walked past the bakery, because they were advertising in the shop window a pie in a barn cake. So basically, a bread roll, a pie sandwich, a pie in a bread roll, which I just thought was the most amazing thing. Mankind, striding forward like a colossus. Uh, if you want to go to Wigan to have a pie sandwich, um, I think it's a great idea. Uh, you can drive. There's a large car park at the stadium for the use of away supporters, it says here, which costs £5. Um, and a warning, avoid parking on the nearby retail car park as it's restricted to two hours and you'll get a ticket. Or you could get the train. Uh, Wigan Northwestern and Wallgate stations are a good 20-minute walk from the ground, or three minutes for producer Ben. Or you can get bus number 600, and that will take you very, very close. Tickets are 20 quid uh, for adults and... And if you're under 18, eight quid. 
and under 11s are five quid, which is lovely. And I should also say, if you're on Twitter, you'll probably have met the uh, Scottish swear bot bastard Jim. He's actually a real person, a very lovely person. Uh, he is taking part in the uh, Joseph's Goal Walk to Fleetwood uh, on Friday, April 20th. An army of, uh, of Wigan fans and staff, VIPs and Barca Jim will be walking to their away game at Fleetwood. That's 41 miles um, to raise funds and awareness for Joseph, uh, a very brave young man. Joe Crilly from William Hill. Tell me two things, Joe. One, tell me about Uncle Joe's mint balls. Uh, that isn't me, and it's not a euphemism, but they are a very, very delicious sweet uh, uh, from Lancashire, I believe. Yes, they, they are uh, from Wigan, directly. Uncle Joe's and Mint Balls, they're very nice, actually. Tell me another thing. Um, Wigan, they're almost certainly going up to the Championship, aren't they? Yeah, they're 1-5 to five to win the league, so so pretty much uh, guaranteed. 1-25 to 25 for promotion, so... They are still in the FA Cup. Um, what, what odds can we get on a weird... And another weird double, but promotion and an FA Cup win this time. Right there, you can get hundred to one for that. Um, so an incredibly short price for them to get promoted, sixty-six to one to win the uh, FA Cup. So um, quite unlikely, big price. I'm sure there'll be a few takers in Wigan though, given how they're playing this season. That is Wigan. When we come back, League Two. Right, League Two. Luton Town slipped up this weekend, dropping two points away at Stevenage. But it was a Stevenage boss, Darren Saal, who was fuming at the referee for giving the Hatters a late penalty. Steve Evans wasn't happy either. His Mansfield side lost 1-0 to Swindon, their first league defeat since December the 9th. It was the harshest result of the season, he raged. And down at the bottom, a goalless draw between Yeovil and Crewe didn't help either of them in their struggle against the drop. It was a miserable week for Notts County. After losing 8-1 to Swansea in the FA Cup, they lost 1-0 to Football League basement side Barnet, who remained four points adrift of safety. A 1-1 draw at Brunton Park did little to help Carlisle and Colchester's fading playoff ambitions, while Mohamed Issa scored a hat-trick for Cheltenham as the Robins thrashed Port Vale 5-1, the forwards now on 15 for the season. Wickham failed to capitalise on Luton's draw. They drew 1-0 with Exeter, coming behind after Paul Tisdale's side had taken an early lead. Sean Derry's last game as Cambridge manager was an entirely forgettable 0-0 draw with Lincoln, who have only won one of their last six now. And as we discussed earlier, Newport's game with Forest Green was postponed because a bloody great rugby match was played there the night before. A bumper 28,000 strong crowd at the Rico Arena for Coventry's Community Day saw the Sky Blues go down 2-0 to promotion rivals Accrington, thanks to a brace from Jordan Clark. Harry Kuehl's Crawley claimed a fourth win on the bounce to move within four points of the playoffs, while Crew and Yeovil did little to ease their relegation fears with a nil-nil draw at Gresty Road. Right, Swindon Town history. Sam, I'm probably telling you what you already know here. Um, <laughs> you, you'll know about the Reverend William Pitt. Oh, of course. Yeah, the self-described father of Swindon Town, who set up the club in 1879. There is some uh, some doubt about whether it's 1879 or 1881, but the show's too short to get involved in that. Uh, he set it up with some young fellows from the railway factory nearby, apparently. Uh, and I quote, they decided to call it the Swindon Association Football Club, but they found the name rather a mouthful to shout out, so they changed the name to the Spartans, which unfortunately didn't stick. They turned professional in 1894 and joined the Southern League, playing at the county ground from 1896. In 1910, they reached the semi-finals of the FA Cup, losing to eventual winners Newcastle. The following year, though, as Southern League champions, they met Manchester United in the Charity Shield. 
Uh, they lost 8-4, but they raised a lot of money for the survivors of the Titanic. So, you know, that, that's cool. In 1920, they joined the all-new Division 3, which would become Division 3 South, and they would never leave. Well, not quite never, but it wasn't until 1963 that they reached the second division, thanks largely to the goals of Sam's predecessor, Ernie Hunt. <laughs> but by 1982, they were in the fourth division. Back-to-back promotions then took them from the fourth to the second by 1987, and in 1990, they won the playoffs and reached the top flight for the first time ever. Hurrah! Aussie Ardiles, Hurrah! But there was a problem. Swindon, it seemed, had been making illegal payments to their players, diverting cash from turnstiles and programme sales to top up the players' wages. It was a massive scandal. And not only were Swindon denied their promotion to the top flight, they were demoted to the third division. Over 10,000 supporters marched in protest. You can find footage of them marching on YouTube. Yes, I actually did that. Uh, Swindon were eventually allowed just to stay in the second division, but still, oof. Swindon finally went up under their own steam in 1993 under player manager Glenn Hoddle. Their stay in the Premier League was brief. They won just five games, shipped 100 goals and went straight back down again. And they were relegated the following season as well. And then the financial problem started. It wasn't all bad, though, because they signed one Sam Parkin in 2002. He was pretty decent. But you can't avoid the fact that Swindon have spent the entire 21st century in the bottom two divisions, and for the most part, Brassic. They were relegated into the basement again last season, but under David Flitcroft, Sam, they're making a decent fist of an immediate return. Yep, going really well at the moment. Um, had some really good results, and I think along with Wolves, best, well, the most uh, victories away from home in the division. So they had a real problem getting points at home, but that seems to have been arrested in, in recent times. He's changed the formation. Seems to have, uh, you know, found a way of playing at home. So uh, I said a few weeks ago that I thought it was playoffs at best and I got a little bit of stick from a few of my mates down in the West Country. So I'm going to say now there's a chance of automatic promotion, definitely. But they just need to get that couple of, you know, back-to-back wins. And that's where they seem to still be slipping every now and again. You've just killed Matt because he came in with that away win stat and he was very proud of it. (laughs) And you swiped it off his toe. Sorry, Matt. (laughs) No, no, not at all. uh, It is incredible, actually, the the difference between the away form and the home form throughout the season. They they actually lost 4-1 at home to Barnet earlier this Mm. season. They lost 5-0 at home to Luton not so long ago, uh, even though they beat them 3-0 away from home. So I think on Saturday against Mansfield, uh, the home fans must have been going in thinking, a promotion rival here. What's what? What result are we going to see this time? And uh, and they got a one 0 victory to uh, stay within touching places of the uh, automatic spots. Yeah, and for all Steve Evans' protestations, um, I I don't think that that was a particularly unfair result. I thought Swindon bust it. Ian, like like you, I've probably only seen the highlights, but every clear chance seemed to be for a Swindon player. Yeah. I know Rose had a strike late on, but well, I can't mostly s- long shots, wasn't yeah. it? Keshi one- Anderson had a header cleared off the line, I think, and there was a few chances prior to Matt Taylor giving Swindon the lead. So, in chances, it looked like Swindon were deserved of the the three points. Yeah, I'm not sure where that came from. Uh, the the goal for Swindon from one Matty Taylor um, playing down there now. Um, I think the keeper could have done better, Matt. I think he's still going down for that one now, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, he made a brilliant save uh, from Keshi Anderson later on, didn't he, when he cut in from the, the left flank and uh, shot towards the top corner. But Comrade Logan won't be happy with the, the replay of that. Sam, it's been a strange, well, 20 years at Swindon, yeah. really. What's happened there behind the scenes? Every time you look at them, they seem to have a new owner. Um, it's former Norwich striker Lee Power there mm. now. Last season, Tim Sherwood was there as director of football. Um, what, what's happening? It seems very unstable. Yeah, I mean, Lee's been in charge for a number of years now and um, initially they were playing a 
you know, a very unique style of football, taking a lot of the young players from Tottenham, uh, playing a 3-5-2, centre-half splitting. You know, for me, going back to that club, considering the type of football that we used to play during my era, it was lovely for me to see it and really enjoy a bit of a continental style of football. And the first year, uh, might have been the second year, but got to the playoffs under Mark Cooper, playing some great stuff. And unfortunately, the the the, on the football side, it's been in decline since that season. Uh, Luke Williams is a very, very good coach. He's off at Bristol City now, but he can replicate the the form that they showed under Mark Cooper. And of course, last year it became a, a huge talking point in the in the country when Tim Sherwood came in, and it was very difficult from the players. They were adapting from one style of football to a completely different style, and the the results reflected that. I think they were caught in bet- in between two places. And uh, the results reflected that. And the relegation was was really tough for everyone to take. And Lee has been heavily involved. Lee Power. Now, not so much. I think his quote in the summer was, there's the keys. Do what you want with it to David Flickcroft. And it's a team built for purpose, but it's started to have a little bit of panache and a bit of guile in there as well. Keshi Anderson's brought that. He plays in the kind of number 10 role. So they go long at times. Of course, it's Lee too. There's not perfect pitches, but... They can play as well, and they've got a, a good squad now, which is more than capable, I would assume, as well with the budget. That would suggest they should be in and around the playoffs. So it's going to be really interesting. The, the supporters expect there because they've had a taste of the Premier League, and you know they like you know they've had Don Rogers there, they've had some Maverick players who could do a bit on the ball, and um, you know they want to be back and they want to be back in the Championship, you know, given time. So it's going to be huge next few months. Yeah, David Flickcroft, he seems very level-headed. Um, I did enjoy his quote looking ahead to tonight's game with Wickham, which is a really tough one. Uh, he's talking about Gareth Ainsworth, who he used to play with, and he says, you look at what Gareth has built over a length of time, and he's got real men in his team. There are no projects, there are no young players. It's a case of real men to do men's jobs. Which is a little bit homoerotic, but none the worse for that. Um, but is, is that him as a manager, like very level-headed, get the blokes in, do the job? It's very in keeping with my Will Grigg anecdote, isn't it? <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. I think um, they've been they've been solid. You know, obviously there's been a, a problem at home, but last year, you know, balls put into the box. It was always Swindon's Achilles' heel defending properly and giving the ball away, trying to play out. So he's got three, he's got four probably tough centre halves that he can choose from. The captain Lancashire's got a bit of a problem at the moment, but yeah, through the spine of the team, the midfield as well. You've got James Dunn, who's been there and done it, League Two. Uh, loves a tackle, a, a lad called Linganzi and um, a lad called Oli Banks who's come in and I don't think he's scored many goals in his career. It's similar to Marcus Bean who they're going to face this evening. Um, he's started scoring goals as well. So the squad is is very good. But but like I said, it's um, sometimes it's been a bit ugly. Uh, I saw uh, probably my worst game of football ever the last time I was on this show. That, that evening I went to Stevenage. And it was horrendous. The elements played a part. Uh, the ball was in the air and it was very difficult to find anything positive to say. But listen, if uh, Swindon Town are promoted at the first time of asking, which they've done on a couple of occasions uh, under Sturrock and De Canio, and that's why there's that expectancy of, of getting back at the first time of asking. All right, that's Swindon then. Uh, famous Swindonians, I'm told. Uh, Julian Clary, Diana Dawes, Melinda Messenger. Remember her? Why are you looking at me? <laughs> remember her, yeah, Matt? I was a teenage boy You once. remember her, Matt. <laughs> Billy, Billy Piper. Uh, 
Uh, producer Ben, he sprinkles my uh, my script every night. He's, he's like the script fairy. He comes in and sprinkles these little nuggets. Um, he also wants to warn everybody that if they're driving to Swindon, they'll have to brave the magic roundabout by the county ground. Um, Sam, can you explain to us what the magic roundabout is? It's just a collection of roundabouts all in one, various mini ones, a couple of bigger ones. and It's, it's essentially a roundabout made of roundabouts. Yeah, and there was a few shunts from my teammates over the years as well. I seem to remember, he shall remain nameless, but I think he missed a few games having had a, someone go into the back of him on the magic roundabout. Oish. Well, you might <laughs> want to take the train if you're going. Uh, it's only a 15-minute walk from Swindon Station, um, which has won many awards for being such a lovely station. Ticket at Swindon, 23 quid for adults. Well, £19 to £23. Uh, Under-18s get in for £6, which is really good. Under-11s for £2, which is even better. So get down there and check out Swindon. Joe Crilly from William Hill. Um, Swindon promotion odds? 3-1 to one, uh, to be promoted. They're quite some way down, eighth favourites in that market. But again, like the bottom of, of the championship, League 2, fighting for those promotion spots is incredibly close indeed. Um, funny goal difference, Swindon. They're just plus five, which is markedly lower than everyone else up there. What are the odds on them finishing with a negative goal difference? Um, 100 to 30. Uh, okay. So not a huge price, but Huddersfield showed last season that you don't need a positive goal difference to get promotion into the division above. Quite right too. Well, Joe, while we've got you, let's have a look at some of the things we've got coming up this week. Graham Potter, Ostersund manager, um, who's playing Arsenal this week. He's always linked with jobs now. What are the odds that he'll end up in the championship next season? Uh, well, his his Ostersund side are 6-1 uh, to one to beat Arsenal, uh, and he is 12-1 to one to turn up in a championship job next season. But I would have thought he would have his eyes set a little higher up, given that he was one of the early favourites for the Stoke job. Rochdale against Tottenham. It would be quite a shock, though there is, you know, the uncertainty over the playing surface. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there is indeed. Um, and I've, I've seen quite a few memes, actually, on the, the internet of people superimposing cows onto that pitch to make it even worse. But Rochdale 12-1, to 1, as you would expect, a very, very big price to win this one in 90 minutes. Spurs 1-8 to 8, and the draw, which would take it into a replay, 13-2. to 2. All right. Um, Swansea are playing Sheffield Wednesday, which means it's the return of Carlos Caravalla. Halle, 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 halle. Um, we are told his name is different every time we pronounce it, so I'm just giving up. Uh, Carlos, Swansea, <laughs> chances. Yeah, um, so Carlos Swansea chances is 13 to 10 to win the game. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, the home side, 15 to 8, and the draw, 11 to 5. And then finally, Norwich against Ipswich on Sunday. That's going to be great fun. What chances a red card in this old farm derby? First of all, I love the name um, of the derby. It's 11 to 4 for a red card in the match. And if you're looking at the prices on who's going to win it, uh, the home side Norwich three to four, Ipswich four to one, and the draw five to two. All right, let's get your questions. Then you can send us questions all the time um, on Twitter and Facebook and Insta Snaps and whatever else we're on. Uh, Dan Mobs on Twitter, he says. Um, even though Wolves are strolling towards the championship title, is their current squad strong enough to survive in the Premier League? Their attack is clearly very exciting, but is their defence up to the challenge? And he signs off by saying, love you. Oh, Love you right back, Dan. I reckon if Wolves were in the Premier League this season, they'd be eighth. 
Yep, I think that would be top half as well. They've actually got the best defence in the Championship, so uh, I don't think there's any concerns there. Uh, Willie Bolly's been probably the best defender in the division this season. And full-backs as well, attacking full-backs, which I think would, would do well in, in, in uh, with the step-up as well. We've got uh, Barry Douglas, who signed in the summer, who's got nine assists so far. So I think no worries about Wolves' defence whatsoever. Sam, you split your time between Premier League games and Football League games. Wolves would be untroubled by the half of the Premier League, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah, you'd think so. And it'd be really interesting to see what they do in terms of bringing players in in the, in the summer. Um, I think Huddersfield have shown that. They've gone in with quite a few unknown quantities this season and, and doing reasonably well. So I think Wolves will probably go down a similar route. It'll probably be a few people plucked from Portuguese leagues, etc. Um, that could... They, they they believe we'll be able to handle the Premier League rather than going for experienced guys who have done it before at that level. I don't think that's necessarily important for them. I think they'll just take it on their own terms, won't they? Uh, Chris Watt on Twitter, he says, could Leeds feasibly get relegated? Um, this is a little alarmist. I think they're 16 points above the drop zone. But, I mean, stranger things have happened. Can you see it's happening, Sam? No, in, in a word. No, I think I didn't see the whole game against Sheffield United, but obviously the, the first goal from Billy Sharp's outstanding and the second one was a little bit questionable. I think there was a little bit of contact on Fleck, but you know it's a wonder goal and, and a penalty kick and they scored a good goal themselves. Lasaga scored a good goal. Um, I think they've got enough quality to be mid-table. I never felt they had enough to be in the playoff shake-up, to be completely frank. Um, I saw them a lot early on thought they were very reliant on Chris Wood um, prior to him leaving and not necessarily replace that in terms of goals, but just all over could do with a a few new acquisitions, I think, to take them to that next level. But got a good boss and um, I'm glad that it's someone who's done well in the championship, been given an opportunity probably with, with more funds and bigger scope to do well next year. Cool. Okay, uh, John Byrne. Um, this one for Matt is John Joe O'Toole, League One's Kevin De Bruyne. Player of the month, hat-trick of assists at the weekend. Um, he's one third of a very good midfield for Northampton, isn't he? He's uh, he's done brilliantly lately. Yeah, he pl- played a month. I think he scored four goals in four matches in January. Then I turn up at Six Fields <laughs> to watch Northampton, and they lose one nil at home to Rochdale. And uh, he was taken off fairly early in the second half. But he's always been a talent since he came through at Watford, and uh, he's going to be absolutely vital for Northampton as they look to stay up. Sam, he's playing much further up the pitch now, and sort of number ten but really fiery and nasty number 10. Yeah, I just wanted to say on that trio, obviously he brings goals and a bit of muscles, but um, Grimes, Matt Grimes was probably probably the best, one of the best young players I ever played with. Him and Crooks as well. I really yeah. like him. I saw him a lot at Scunthorpe last year, but Grimes, his debut was 17-year-old, thrown in at Exeter. He played alongside Matt Oakley, who was about 48 at the time. <laughs> And Matt Grimes had the best debut I've ever seen from a young kid. So I am scratching my head as to why he hasn't really kicked on in the the last few years because I thought he was destined to be a top talent. So really pleased to see him doing well. Likewise. And finally, Triggs on Twitter says, can Berry stay up? Um, You remember Berry had that hideous long run of defeats. Um, But they've picked up eight points from a possible 12. Young George Miller has four in four. They are, I think, nine points adrift of safety. I'm crapping it because we're Southend are travelling up there tonight and that's got banana skin written all over it. They really seem to have sorted themselves out under the new manager, Matt. Yes, the second time Ryan Lowe's been caretaker boss this season and uh, he's doing a great job and we've got them actually at home uh, the week after as well. So I think it's suddenly bury a potential banana skin, aren't they, for, for sides higher, higher up the table. All right, that's your listeners' questions. Um, Keep an eye out, by the way, on Friday. We'll be doing the Totally Football Quiz again. That's the Totally Football Quiz that Joe Crilly tried to ruin. 
didn't you? <laughs> well, I think you need to add some T's and C's or some small print this this week that says that we can't get involved. We were very, very excited that you got the answer so quickly. And it was like, Joe Krill, hang on a minute. <laughs> You'll just have to play along silently. So- um, follow us on Facebook for all the details. You can see the tape of uh, what we did on Friday. We've got bags of prizes. We ask the questions. You type the answers into the comments box. It really is as easy as that. The first one we see that's correct, you'll win a prize. So um, tune in on Friday lunchtime and follow us on Facebook. All you've got to do is like us on Facebook and that's it. You can play. That is all we've got time for. Sam, thank you so much for coming in again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Matt, thank you so much. Cheers. <laughs> I always feel I want to put a dig in and then I think, no, no, that's not fair. Joe, it's been wonderful to have you here as well. And thanks to producer Tayo and thanks to you, dear listener, for listening. We'll see you next Tuesday. The Totally Football League show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Hello there, it's James Richardson here. I don't know about you, but listening to that theme tune takes me back to altogether happier times. The ice cream, the pink newspapers, the, the double espressos, the hair... For those of you who don't start doodling during our Italian roundups on the Totally Football Show, well, here's some news you've been waiting for. From mid-January, we're going to be bringing you a brand new weekly podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest events from Syria and turning the clock back to the good old days, you know, when the national team used to go to the World Cup. The name of the show? Like you didn't know already. Golazzo! the totally Italian football show. You can subscribe now on Audio Boom, iTunes and everywhere else you get your podcasts.